You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let's get started. Thank you all for being here. Um, Cameron asked me to teach this class um, a couple weeks ago, so um, uh, just a little bit of background on me in case I don't know all of you. Um, I actually worked on staff here at the Advent and did youth ministry. Um, I was the associate youth director under Gil Cracky back in 2003 to 2005. And then, thankfully, the Lord brought us Cameron. Um, so we're in much better hands now than we were then. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I think I'll kind of, um, you know, the topic is obviously ways that we, that our kids misunderstand Christianity. And I think a lot of it is applicable um, to us as well. Um, I picked out, you know, a handful of, of sort of misunderstandings. Um, I don't know if they're the, the biggest ones or the most common ones, but I kind of, they're really ones that I kind of related to either from my experience in ministry or really my experience as a believer. Um, I became a Christian in high school and um, just see a lot of the ways that I misunderstood the gospel. So, um, so anyway, we'll dive in here in just a second. Um, why don't I open us up in prayer and then we'll, we'll dive in. Lord, um, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for bringing us here together. Um, Lord, thank you for the good news of your son um, and his sacrifice for us, Lord. Uh, I pray that you will be with us in this time, that you will um, speak through me, and that um, your truth will go out. Um, if there's anything that I say, Lord, that is not in line with your gospel, Lord, I pray that you will um, strike it from all of our, our hearts and minds. So be with us in this time, and um, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, um, what did I do with my... Oh, here it is. So, I wanted to start out with some kind of introductory remarks. Um, the first of which is if you have not listened to Cameron's um, October 22nd class, um, it's called How We Misunderstand Our Kids, but it has to do with... Um, the theology of the cross versus theology of glory, um, which I won't go into, but honestly, when I was, I listened to it a couple of days ago and I thought about just getting up here and just pressing play and just letting us listen to that, but um, I figured Cameron might not like that, so. Uh, but anyway, go check that out. It's good. Um, a couple of just sort of things I wanted to say to kind of frame this conversation that are helpful, I hope. Um, one is, that our kids aren't ours, that they're really the Lord's. I think that's a hard concept, at least for me, to, to get my head around. Um, you know, we love our kids so much, and um, trying to understand that, that God loves them even more than we do, um, and that God is faithful to them in a way that we are not a lot of times is, I think, an encouraging word. So I hope we'll, as we think about um, these misunderstandings and hopefully how we can correct them, um, just re reminding ourselves that really it's the Lord who's in charge. Um, and then along those lines, I wanted to read 2 Corinthians um, 12.9. Y'all are probably familiar with um, this verse, but... Um, 
this is where you know Paul is talking about the thorn in his side and he's praying um, that the Lord will take it away from him and God says um, but he said to me my, my, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness um, I think it can be very easy for us to feel weak when it comes to trying to instill um, a real understanding of the gospel in our kids um, and I think that's a good thing um, because we can't do it on our own and the Lord's grace is sufficient for us in that so um, so anyway um, Ginger you can go to the next one I think so the first one, this is a fairly basic one, but I, I feel like it's definitely one that, that I had as a kid, which is just that God lives at church. We have this sort of church world where we come on Sundays, we put on these clothes, which we probably never wear, or for a lot of us never wear, um, you know, any other day of the week. Um, we don't really talk about church outside of church. Um, you know, it just doesn't really have any, any practical implications for... Um, for our lives, and I think you know it is hard. I mean, we ha- our two daughters are seven and five, so you know they go to Sunday school every week. And I mean, if, if I'm being honest, it's like, how was Sunday school? Good, okay. Like moving on, where are we going to lunch? So I don't know if anybody here has any thoughts about or things that they have done they feel like work well in terms of trying to help your kids see that what we learn here in this building. Um, you know, it's supposed to stay with us outside of church um, and has implications for what we do at school and what we do at work and how we deal with our families. So does anybody anybody have anything that's, especially with younger kids? Jay? It's not mine. Uh, so, um, but our small group came up with the idea of, of uh, having a periodic small group event with our children. We try to do it quarterly, ends up being about twice a year. Cool. What'd you do? I don't know. <laughs> 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 huh? It's coming back on. I don't know where your point went. Okay, well, gotta love technology, right? Okay, well, I'll let you work on that. Just see if you can fill it around with it. Make it work. <laughs> Maybe unplug and plug it back in. Um, so, okay, there you go. I don't know why that thing is. Okay, we're back. Sorry. All right, let's go to the next slide while we while we can. <laughs> so uh, this next misunderstanding, sort of Christianity as a set of behaviors that earn us favor with God. Um, you know, I think this is a very common misunderstanding among a lot of people, not just obviously our children. Um, and I think what it stems from is sort of a, a view that, you know, too, too low of a view of our, of God's holiness. 
and too high a view of our, of our human condition. So um, what I mean by that is um, that, um, you know, a lot of times we just we don't really appreciate what it, what God's holiness really means and how holy he is, um, how law, how demanding his law is. Um, and then on the flip side, we have too high a view of our own human uh, potential. Um, so one analogy that I heard a long time ago that has sort of been helpful um, for me is <clears throat> um, is the idea of, you know, when I was in high school, um, I bought, I don't know if anyone else played basketball, but if you want to remember those things called strength shoes, they were like these shoes that had like big platforms on the front. And the idea was they like made you walk around like this <laughs> and you were supposed to do all these exercises and it was going to, it helped your vertical leap. And I used to use them in my driveway, and then anytime a car would drive by, I would run and try to hide behind the car because they looked so ridiculous. <laughs> but um, they, I don't know if they worked or not, but at one point, like in high school, I could dunk a basketball. Um, and if you know Cameron, I love Cameron. Cameron's vertical leap is about this big. So how this ties into this is um, it's easy for us to sort of be like, to compare ourselves to other people and judge ourselves against other people and the fact that I can jump a lot higher than Cameron means something but a real understanding of God's holiness is you know we're all trying to jump to the moon so you know just because I've got 12 inches on Cameron when it comes to vertical leap like we're not we're not getting there on our own so that was a kind of a helpful um, a helpful illustration for me um, Stephen Nichols kind of talking about some other manifestations of, of how this misunderstanding plays out so Stephen taught this class, Stephen Nichols, um, I guess right before Christmas, and he had this great chart where he talked about um, sort of the difference between all other religions and the gospel, and it really ties into this whole idea of like many paths to the top of the mountain. So if you have a very you know low view of God's holiness and a high view of our human condition, then it's kind of all religions are some sort of set of behaviors that you follow, and if you get there, you'll... You'll make it up to the top of the mountain. So um, Stephen talked about teaching our kids. He drew up sort of two globes and had people on them. And he said, you know, um, a lot of religions think that we, you know, we kind of work our way up to God. But the truth of the gospel is that God, you know, comes down to us and rescue us. And that's what really makes the gospel different from, you know, all the other world religions. So, um so I see that, you know, having that misunderstanding, that's one of the ways that it can sort of play itself out. Um, so, um, so basically, um, yeah, th this, you know, this view sort of treats acceptance by God as based on our performance relative to others' performance and not on Jesus' sacrifice and so what that drives us to is, is sort of an, a focus on external behavior. So hopefully, if, if my assistant can <laughs> help me, I'm going to show a video. This is actually a, a clip that I found back when I was doing youth ministry. And I remember showing it to some guys um, who were in high school at the time. But it... Um, I think you got to like exit out of... There we go. I did it. So hopefully this will work, and the audio will work. Well, all right. 
tell, I'm privy to tell you all what you've done wrong since I <laughs> saw you. And don't try and hide because I am Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with a hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. <laughs> Feeling right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. too much, just enough to make me angry. You, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. We were slow dancing a little too close to that girlfriend of yours. And you, I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Stella, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that bigger house the other day. I hate to say I saw you stick up your little finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. <laughs> all, right, all you sinners, come with me. Time to pay the piper. <laughs> I heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> I'll eat it. All right, let's see if we can get back. Okay, here we go. I'm going to hit that button. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Maybe. There we go. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> anyway... Um, the uh, couple of more points on that one, which is, will you go back to the other one for a second? Um, is you know, if you you have that view of, of of Christianity, there's no there's no gospel there, there's no good news there, and what you end up with is kids who are judging sort of their insides against other people's outsides, um, which I think you know, the Lord often like gives us a sense of our inadequacy that we don't live up to his law. And so when we start sort of trying to play the game of comparing our insides to other people's outsides, it just can have some disastrous consequences and certainly can drive people from the church because we feel like, man, I mean, I know myself and I, you know, I can't I can't win this game. So um, a final a quote that I really like is from R.C. Sproul says, um, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Um, I'll read that one more time. So we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That can be a little heady, but I think it's helpful 
um, with our kids to, to instill in them this concept that it's not, you know, it's not because you do X, Y, or Z that you are a sinner. You do X, Y, or Z because, you know, because um, you, sorry, I'm confusing myself now. Um, someone help me. Just the concept that sin is not a set of behaviors, it's a condition. Yeah, so um, so I think understanding that helps us move from, an, uh, from a view of sin as focused on behavior and moves us to a view of uh, understanding its condition of our heart, which sort of helps us to um, op- open up to the gospel message. So um, the next one I want to hit on, um, and just to kind of tie this in a little bit to my story. Um, so I grew up in a... Um, pretty marginal Christian home. We didn't really go to church. In fact, the only real time that we went to church for any sustained amount of time was when we went to, when I went to St. Luke's in fifth grade because I had to attend confirmation class. And as soon as I was confirmed, we never went to church again after that. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of these similar, these understandings that I've kind of covered. But in high school, um, I became a Christian. And unfortunately, um, I feel like I did not have or I rejected a lot of the probably good teaching that was available to me. So left to my own devices, I had as many misunderstandings um, about what it meant to be a Christian as I did about what Christianity was before I became a Christian. So I kind of wanted to touch on a couple of those. One being that, you know, the idea that there's sort of this, you know, dichotomy where, you know, before you become a Christian, you, you need to hear the gospel. You need to hear the gr- good news about God's free grace and how he rest, he's here to rescue you. Um, but once you kind of get on the bandwagon, then like forget about that grace stuff. All right, you're in the club now. We need to focus on like how are we going to get you doing the things that you need to be doing. Um, so I have uh, um, a couple of somewhat humorous examples of this. Um, one is... So about the time when I was in high school, some of my friends had gone to some different camps. And one of the big things that seemed to be out in the world at this time was the concept of accountability groups. So this idea that you would get together with, you know, a handful of other guys or girls, depending on what your gender was, and you would sort of help hold each other accountable. And it's not that accountability doesn't have a place or that, again, I'm not trying to say that there aren't, you know, God's law is not good or there, there aren't like benefits to following his commands. I'm not saying any of that. But um, I think left without a really a gospel understanding of how sanctification works and how the Lord works in our lives, it devolved into a very unhealthy um, situation. So essentially what we hit, I had like five guys and we would meet once a week. And we had all written out lists of things that either we wanted to do or not do. And we would basically like pass the list around and be like, all right, how'd you do this week? <laughs> and on top of that, to make matters worse, not only did we do that, but by each one, we had written some sort of like disciplinary, like it was like, hey, did you do X? All right, you got to run a mile this week. Or like, hey, you got to donate. You got to give us $5 this week. I, I don't know where that pot of money is because it should have been ginormous. Um but it was just ridiculous, and I, the, I mean, it, it was just—it's embarrassing, honestly, to even to, to recognize it. And, and the intention behind it was good, but again, it just totally missed the mark on um, on what it means to to sort of 
you know, rest in the gospel, um, even as a believer. And so, um, so I'll, I'll leave that there for now. I could tell you more stories, but I'm, I'm not going to. Um, so if, yeah, exactly. Not on the right, off, off the record. Um, so if you'll go to the next slide to kind of tie this in. So this is, this is how I think my group and myself thought for a long time about what Christian growth looks like. So this is kind of a little, so this is sort of when you become a Christian, this is God's holy standard. So, you know, at the time that we become a Christian, um, in this view, we haven't been sanctified at all. So we understand the need for Christ's sacrifice for us. And as a result, we have, you know, love for him. But what happens is, in this view, which is wrong, you know, as we sort of meet every week and talk about, I'm trying not to do this, I'm trying to do this, I'm going to read my Bible every day, I'm going to, you know, try to pray at every meal. Like, we, as we kind of go along, we're getting sort of better and better. We're getting closer to meeting God's holy standard. And as a result, if this is the view you take, there, it's sort of inevitable that, you know, the cross gets smaller and therefore your, your sort of love and your appreciation for what the gospel is gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So I think this is a view that is pretty common and also, and one, certainly one that I subscribe to for a long time. Um, but if you go to the next slide, Ginger, this is, I think, you know, what I hope, um, we can all sort of have an understanding of, which is this, it's not, this chart is not that over time we get worse. Um, but over time we come to have a deeper understanding of our sin such that, and, and a lot of this, I think, at least for me is going from a behavior mindset to a heart condition mindset, um, that it, it gets away from, you know, did I do X, Y, and Z and not do, you know, A, B, and C to like, I'm a wretched sinner in need of God's grace. And it, that's always true. And it, and it becomes, I become more aware of it as I go through my Christian life, which as you can see, the result there is the cross gets bigger, our love for the gospel and for Christ gets larger over time. So, um, I, I, one of my ministers in college actually introduced me to this chart and I thought it was, um, thought it was helpful. So, um, let's see. Hang on a second, Jen, really make sure. Yeah. So I guess just to tie this into scripture a little bit, um, where I think like the misunderstanding going back to that other chart, um, what, what this sort of produces is basically, um, you know, older brothers in the, in the parable, parable of the prodigal son or, um, or, uh, Pharisees. And particularly, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, I'll read that really quickly if I can find it. Uh, let's see, it's Luke. So it's Luke 18. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
But what I like, how I think this ties in, if you, if you notice, the Pharisee judges both himself and the tax collector um, and really everyone else he mentions by their actions. You know, I'm not, I'm not like robbers who rob, evildoers who do evil, adulterers who commit adultery. I'm not even like this tax collector. I don't do those things that they do. And in fact, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. So, you know, this is a very sort of Pharisee-like approach to um, how we understand, you know, growth as a Christian. And I think the tax collector, you know, is kind of gets it. um, That he's not trying to take stock in what he does or doesn't do. He's saying, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, So anyway, um, let's see how we're doing on time. Okay, pretty good. All right. Let's, uh, you can go to the next one, Ginger. So, this one, Ginger and I talked a little bit about this. I think it is, um, a common one for, for our kids and for us that, you know, this notion that if, if I'm a Christian, it's, it's sort of a path to avoiding pain. Um, and how that manifests itself is, it can be a sort of bargaining with God. So, you know, God, if you, will, you know, help me avoid this or that circumstance, I will do X. Um, and then I sort of the corollary to that is we see a lot of times, you know, in this view that pain is punishment. So if I if something bad happens, there must be something I have done to sort of bring that on um, myself. And I think both of those are, are, are faulty. Um, so... Uh, I won't read both of them, but John 16 is the verse where Jesus basically says, you know, um, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, and then Revelation 21 is sort of the, the great passage about um, God sort of, you know, wiping every tear away. And so that there is, in the end, there will be a day where there will be no more pain and no more suffering. Um, but um, that day is not necessarily today. And that, and that pain um, is not nece- you know is not necessarily a punishment. In fact, it's often something that God uses um, to draw us closer to Himself. So, um, does anybody have any comments or questions? Sorry, I kind of been blowing through this. I mean, I agree with that so much. I just remember my mother had cancer. And people would come and say, if you had more faith or if you would pray, more, you know, that is just so, A, wrong, but B, it gave her no comfort because she knew God and walked with God. So I totally agree. I don't know where we get the idea it'll be easy, pain-free life if mm-hmm. we know Jesus. So I thank you. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think that's one point that, that you know, um, I want to make, or I, I think a lot about in the, at the same time that I'm sort of saying, you know, I want, I don't want this to be distressing in the sense that I think God is faithful and God is in charge of our kids, but you're right. I mean, the, there is a, what is that book called? The Tyranny of Heresy or? The Cruelty. The Cruelty of Heresy. Yeah, that's the one I was, that's what I was trying to think of. Like, you know, these ideas, like, have real consequences. Um, and the way that we and our kids think about these issues, you know, can actually, create a lot of damage or save us from a lot of damage so um so anyway uh i think is there one more on here 
Okay, so this one is something that um, I chose this mainly because it has some relevance to my life. So I'm just going to talk about it sort of from my perspective. I know, I mean, this is sort of touching on themes of like predestination, election, which I'm no theologian. I, you know, we can, I need to get like Cameron or Andrew or somebody to come in here to talk about that. But I just wanted to sort of touch on this because it was important in my journey. So when I became a Christian, I was of the mentality that, you know, there was something innate, you know, we all had this free will, free choice where we could choose God. So if I had chosen God and I looked around and saw people who I felt like had not, well, the difference between those people and me was I was awesome. Um, I was either smart enough or perceptive enough or thoughtful enough or whatever I was that I was able to say, like, I see that I have a problem. I see that this is the solution. Why can't you guys get on board? So it leads to this very, you know, self-righteous sort of judgmental view of others. Um, and there's a passage in Ephesians um, that I think sort of hits on this. Um, and I may not read the whole thing because it's... But this is Ephesians 2. It says, you know, you were... As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Um, and I'll skip down a little bit. Um, but it says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Um, and then later on, a couple of verses later, he again says, For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Um, and so the analogy that sort of was helpful to me is, you know, I think a lot of people perceive Christianity as <clears throat> we're sort of sick in our sin. We're not dead in our sin. So... We're kind of in this ocean of sin, and we're you know flailing around, and then Jesus comes along and throws us a life you know a life raft, and we sort of swim over to it and grab on, um, and we're saved. And that's really not the picture the Bible paints. The picture the Bible paints is we're laying on the bottom of the ocean, dead. So there is no agency, there's no act by which we sort of can point and say, well, you know, I was able, even if it was only five feet. I swam over there and grabbed that thing, and you just kept flailing around in the water. So it's, again, I know that's not an easy concept, um, but it, it really, it, it had an impact on me when I when I came to subscribe to this notion that, you know, um, that it wasn't, that that's not the way I needed to be thinking about it. And there's a hymn called, I Sought the Lord and Afterward I Knew, and it says, I sought the Lord and afterward I knew, He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O oh, Savior, true. Oh, I was found of Thee. Um, and so that was kind of a eye-opening um, moment for me. So um, I think there's maybe one more slide. Um, so anyway, just to kind of close this, and then I'm happy if there are any questions or anybody has any other thoughts. Um, I just wanted to sort of close with saying, you know, God really is faithful to us and to our kids. And... Um, a couple of, of, of scriptures that I wanted to hit on just to kind of encourage us as we um, go out. One is Philippians 1, 6, which says, Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then, um, whoops, Hebrews 12 is where um, the writer of Hebrews says, you know, it refers to Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith. Um, and so I, I just find that really comforting for myself and for my kids. Um, 
that I am not, you know, I am not the, I'm neither the author, which I just talked about, and I'm certainly not the perfecter of my faith, but God is ultimately the author and the perfecter that He started a work and He is the one that's, you know, responsible for carrying it on to completion. Um, so anyway, that's all I've got. Anybody have any questions or thoughts? I've cleared up all misunderstandings about every possible issue. Okay. I say, I have daughter, and um, you were talking about the trending when you were young with the accountability grades. I think our trend is to follow a personality mm-hmm. and a writer who, or a blog person or whoever it might be that presents him or herself through the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. But that's not who our child should seek approval from. Mm-hmm. And that's a big struggle for teenagers. Yeah. How do you clear up these misunderstandings? Like, do you have any, I mean, just preaching the gospel every day through your kids? Or do you have any... Looks like we're out of time here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not coming at this from a higher... I'm not coming at this from any sort of higher ground or authoritative position. So... um, you know, I think I do think one thing that that I've thought about with my parents, and then what I'm trying to sort of maybe do a little differently is, I think as a parent, there's a temptation to sort of model. Um, you know, we want to model good behavior for our kids, but I think the danger can be that we we sort of create this narrative where like we're we're perfect, like we don't need the gospel. Um, and I definitely think, like, I don't, I don't ever remember my parents ever, like, apologizing or sort of saying, like, well, I was really wrong or I handled the situation poorly. So, again, that kind of left me as a kid looking at my insides against my parents' outsides and saying, like, man, there's something really wrong with me because I know what's going on inside of me and I don't see that at all in my parents. They're perfect people. They do everything right. They're all, you know. So I think one just very practical thing we can do is, like, share with our kids, you know, the fact that we have struggles and then when we, you know, when they become very apparent because we are hurting our kids through one of them to apologize. Um, and we, we, you know, asked our kids about, we've struggled with the whole just cell phones, you know, I mean, we're as bad as anybody just, you know, how was your day, honey? You know, like sitting at the, and so we, we came to them and said, look, you know, do y'all think, how do you, you know, how do y'all, do y'all think we're using your cell phone too much? And they were like, yes. And we were like, well, okay, well, we're, you know, we're sorry and we're going to really try to work on doing a better job, but it's, it's not easy for us. And so, and it's been, it's been pretty cool because they're, I mean, we told them like, look, if we're looking at our phones, you have the right to say, is this really important? And like my, our seven year old will be like, dad, is this really important? And I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) So, um, so I just think like, you know, letting them know that we are, we're we're all in this boat together. We're we're charged to be responsible for them, but we're also centers ourselves. So anyway, let me pray real quick and um, thank y'all for coming. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time um, and just uh, be with us, Lord. Um, help us to understand the gospel and to to be able to apply that to ourselves and to our children. Um, go with us this week, and um, we thank you, Lord, for your Son. This is the name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.